0: Good news, they're not calling you the tiptoe man or the float anymore. Pretty much settled on the overseer. Magnus Punches Reality presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host Magnus and at the time that I record this guys, it looks like civilization is starting to get back to normal or we're trying to get back to normal. But basically for those of you who don't know, I live in uh, I live in the state of Texas and at the time that I record this, I mean, God only knows what's going to be happening at the time that this episode comes out. But at least at the time that I record this, the 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 governor, the lieutenant governor, the state legislature—they're basically starting to gradually relax a lot of the uh, guidelines and uh, lockdown uh, orders and shelter-in-place orders and and all that fun stuff. So. Overall, it looks like things are maybe starting to get back to normal. Today was day one of all that for anyone who's interested. So I guess we'll we'll see how this turns out. So um, the timing of when this episode is being recorded, normally I wouldn't mention something like that, but it's I I think it's safe to say that it's pertinent to some of the things that I plan to be talking about in this episode. One of which. Is the East Rail 177 trilogy? Now, for those of you who, who, who don't know, I have certain films that I rewatch on an annual basis, right? There are certain movies that, well, I mean, I, I say that I rewatch them. I mean, honestly, officially, the rule is I can only watch them once per year. Now, I can watch them less than once, I cannot watch them more than once the idea here is that these movies are so special that I don't want to take the chance of burning myself out on them and so as a result I basically have this rule in place that says that these movies they can be rewatched once per year never more than once and I think probably the the most famous uh, the most well-known uh, set of movies or movie, depending on how you look at it on my list of annual rewatches is actually the Lord of the Rings. I re the 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 trilogy, the film trilogy once every year. now again, I can watch the trilogy less than once a year, but never more than once, only once per year. and as it as it relates to this episode that you're listening to right now. Also on that list is the East Rail 177 Trilogy. And maybe... See, because it's a weird thing, because Unbreakable, as much as I liked it, it was never an annual rewatch for me. You know? Uh, for, For, I would say since the like from the time that unbreakable came out on dvd or general home video from that time until maybe the last year or so this was i mean maybe you watch it once every two years or three or, or just whatever never an annual rewatch. it was you know and that's no reflection on the movie it's i guess it's more a, a reflection of how i related to it it's good but it's not something that you need to be so careful about protecting, you know? And so it, it just it wasn't a movie that I thought a whole lot about for several years, and then I had occasion to re-watch it and thought, you know what? This is actually a really good film. This is there's a lot more going on here than than I think I appreciated back when I first saw the movie. And that was a feeling that only intensified and intensified more and more as the years went by then and then until finally when glass uh, came out on on see because you have to be careful now you have to say came out on home video because these days there are so fucking many different ways of of watching uh movies that are not in theaters anymore so many different ways that it's You, just to find like an all-encompassing term you kind of have to say home video so others may may say blu-ray for all I'm, I don't even know if DVDs are still made anymore but maybe they are and maybe somebody out there still buys them I don't know uh, you've got streaming uh, you've got uh, prime video I mean there's just so fucking many different options out there that you're kind of for or I'm at least, sort of forced into saying home video is a sort of catch-all blanket term. But anyway, I mean, for me, it's iTunes. You know, it's... Uh, I, I'm, I've am i joked in the past that I'm fully digital. Well, that's everything, guys. That's music, that's movies, that's comics. Mostly it's comics, although not so much. And again, we're going to be circling back to that soon enough. But most comics for me are, are digital and so forth. And the Like I say, by about the time that Glass came out on home video, Unbreakable had risen pretty high, in my estimation, and now the fact that there's a trilogy out there, and all of that, it's... You know what, maybe this is annual rewatch worthy. So I never wanted to make a big deal out of it before, especially when I was doing uh, my uh, retrospective with Professor Allen. I wanted to make sure that, you know, everything was tight and it was focused. We're talking only about the movie at hand as much as possible and nothing else. And so, but I I remember thinking, like, even at the time that I was recording those episodes with Professor Allen, you know, these movies are so good as sort of a collective whole that, you know what, I think this may actually be annual rewatch worthy. And I guess the proof is in the pudding because here we are. I just finished up my annual rewatch and one of the things that was made abundantly clear, at least to me, is the fact that I I love Unbreakable. I love Split and I like Glass. Glass is not a bad movie, okay? I want to be clear about that. It is not a bad movie. I enjoy it. There's a lot of good inherent to glass. But one of the things that, especially the the rewatch this year, drove home, at least to me, is the idea that... Glass is just not hitting on the same level for me as Unbreakable and Split. Uh, You know, uh, Unbreakable and Split, they're this this kind of perfect one-two combo that... I can't speak for anyone else, but every time I watch those movies, I'm raring to go. I can't fucking wait to watch Glass. And then I start watching Glass, and... Yikes. So, now, honestly, the the rewatch this year, ideally the way any of my annual rewatches, at least the ones that involve trilogies, my annual rewatches the way they're supposed to work is that you watch one movie one day the second movie the next day the third movie on the third day right that's really the way it's supposed to work and that ended up not exactly happening with East Rail at least this year and the reason for that is because uh, people this is another one of those things I honestly don't think I've made a big point out of mentioning but the way that I like to, the way that I prefer to watch movies, is I like getting a a, a big bowl of hot buttery popcorn and then an, a super cold glass of milk. You know, so you you've got the popcorn for munching and then you've got the milk for dipping, and so you can get like a big handful of popcorn and shove it in your gullet and then take a sip off your milk and it's like the milk brings out the buttery, flavory, goodnessy stuff all that extra bit more and that's the way that I prefer to watch movies but it's like on the one hand that's that's a heart attack waiting to happen let's just be realistic I'm honestly I am gonna have to do something about that at some point point. but on the other hand it's like it's just such a perfect companion for any movie that I really love you know and what I realized was you know what Night one, I watched Unbreakable, had my popcorn, had my milk, loved it. Night two, watched Split, had my popcorn, had my milk, absolutely loved it, had a great time. Night three, fucking ran out of milk. And what I realized is, I like glass, but I don't like glass so much that I'm willing to watch it without my popcorn and milk, you know? Other people, you know what, other people, I'm sure they have their own standards and their own preferences and whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying that for me, if I'm going to watch Glass, I need to have my popcorn and milk sort of as, sort of as a bribe, almost, I guess. I mean, it's it's kind of hard, I don't know, it's... um. But the, the entire idea, and this is something that I posted on the Facebook group, the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group. And for those of you uh, who are listeners but you're not members of the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group, this isn't something that I, at least I don't think, I make a big deal out of, uh, of it very often in, in my episodes. You know, I tend not to mention the group a whole lot. But one of the things that I think you guys need to know about is that the Turnus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group, it's a lot more than just a dumping ground for uh, episode announcements, you know, new episodes that have been posted. Um, you might get um, different artwork. I do try to put sort of unique artwork. Not always, but often on the Trennis Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group. So if you just look at my shit in iTunes or if you look at it on twotruefreaks.com, the artwork is probably going to be something a little bit different when, when you look at it in the Trennis Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group. So right there, you're getting notifications instantly. You're also getting kind of sort of half ass unique content that isn't necessarily advertised anyplace else episodes of trennis Magnus Jabs Reality will always be uh, posted in the uh, trennis Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group, not necessarily anyplace else. So if you're subscribed on iTunes, you're going to see it there. The trennis Magnus Jabs Reality episode, you're going to see them there. If you uh, just check out two trueFreaks.com every Tuesday, you're going to see Trinus Magnus uh, Jabs Reality or not Tuesday I guess just whenever Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality episodes come out you're going to see them on Two twotruefreaks.com uh, and you're going to see the Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality episodes on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook page so you, those tend not to get posted anywhere else so if you're a member of the Two True Freaks Facebook page maybe you'll see the Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality announcements and maybe you won't it just Depends, you know. It's, it's not even 50/50. It's it, there's a probability that you won't, like 70% that you won't, but you might. Whereas if you're a member of the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group, you definitely are going to see it. But in and but over and above all that stuff, there's also just discussion. There's content. There are members who uh, post um, uh, discussion uh, uh, discussions about. It could be Smallville or it could be 80s cartoons. It could be Lord of the Rings or something in general related to Tolkien. Um, it, it could be any of a number of different things, you know, uh, news and goings-on in the comic book industry or what's left of it. And so all in all, if you're not a member of the Trenis Magnus Puncher's Reality Facebook group, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because there's a community that's going on there that a lot of you may you may not actually know about, so I just, I at least wanted to throw all that out there, and one of the things that I posted up there a little bit more recently, um, uh, this was, basically I said that the entire idea behind doing an annual rewatch of anything, really, is it comes down to getting a new perspective, or maybe pick up on small details that you missed in the past, and Sometimes it's it's only about enjoying something. You get an extra degree of enjoyment out of whatever it is that you're re-watching annually. You just get that extra bit of appreciation for it because this is the one time this year that you get to watch it, so soak it up because uh, you're not getting this for at least 365 more days. So there's that. But that's not the only possibility. And so with that in mind, uh, as I was re-watching somewhat split, but mostly glass. I came up with some stuff about the East rail trilogy that a lot of you, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of you probably figured out ages ago, but this stuff only just now became apparent to me. One of which is that not all of Kevin's altars are on board with the beast. And that I already knew. I mean, to be honest, that's, that was not breaking news to me. It's I would say that elements of split, or not split, elements of glass, and split I guess, but really elements of glass really don't make sense unless some of Kevin's altars are members of the Horde and others of the altars are not members of the Horde. What I did not grasp is that the Horde as a name, that refers specifically to altars that are pro-beast. <clears throat> all right. It doesn't apply to anybody else, and so that was something that I hadn't grasped before. I mean, like I said, I knew that not necessarily all of the altars were pro-beast. I did not understand until this new rewatch that the horde specifically refers to pro-beast altars. So that was that was just kind of interesting. The other uh, or another thing is. The Beast killed at least one person after the ending of Split, but before the beginning of Glass. There's some dialogue at the beginning of Glass that makes it pretty clear that that after Casey makes her escape, but before those cheerleaders get kidnapped, there, there was at least one other death at the hands of the Beast. And so, there you have it. Um, another thing that, again, it I, I don't think I fully grasped this before, is that at the start of Glass, Hedwig was in charge of making sure that only horde-friendly altars possessed control of the light. And so, where the rubber meets the road on that is when the good professor and I discussed, like, specifically Glass, I suggested that maybe, just maybe, Hedwig isn't so innocent. He's got some childlike naivete, but I don't know how accurate it would really be to call him innocent, in like the strictest sense of the word. And the fact that he made sure that only pro-Horde altars had access to the, or rather, the Horde had access to the light, kinda reinforces that. You know, Hedwig, he's a child, But that doesn't really make him innocent in all of this. I mean, he knew beyond any shadow of a doubt he was allowing only a murderer or murderers or people who are in some way or another complicit with murder to control the light. And that's pretty fucking dark, guys. So, anyway. All in all, I do kind of wish that I picked up on this stuff sooner so that I could have included it in the shows that I did with uh, Professor Allen, but you know what? It just wasn't to be. And I posted as much on Facebook, and as a just kind of an indication of the community that exists on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group that you you don't necessarily have access to if all you do is listen to uh, the podcast. Longtime listener of the show, longtime friend, uh, Doug Meacham responded to that post. He said, well, maybe what I could do is record an epilogue with Professor Allen and he and I could work through that. And I'm not really opposed to that. It's just that number one, I didn't have so much of substance that I thought it was worth Professor Allen's time to come back. And number two, um, this was something I, I think I just wanted to hash through on my own and talk about and just kind of roll it around in my mind live so to speak and on mic and all of that and because for those of you who don't know the way that <clears throat> the way that i podcast usually i've got to set a set of bullet points certain things that i want to talk about and then I just speak extemporaneously around those bullet points and just try to work them in in a kind of organic way as I as I record a show. There are people out there who will go, they'll like write a full script of what they're supposed to say. And to be honest about it, I mean, that approach actually does work pretty well, I think, with Smallville episodes that I do, those, uh, the, uh... Magnus talks about Smallville episodes that I do where those episodes are not really full script, but certain ideas are written out in sort of long form just to make sure that I'm hitting all of the points and the nuances that I want to hit. There's still a fair amount of extemporaneous speaking that's going on there. It's just that I do want to make sure that I get the exact point that I want to cover. But there are some podcasters out there who will... Guys, I've seen it for myself. This is no exaggeration. They will write a complete fucking script for their episode to make sure that things go exactly the way that they need to go. And I am not criticizing that. I mean, I'm not really praising that, but I'm certainly, I, I am not criticizing that approach. It's just, I don't think that's something that I would, that I would be able to do. You know, I think it would sound, like, artificial? maybe, there would be just a synthetic quality about it where, if you're familiar with the way that I speak, and if you've listened to my show for any amount of time, you probably kind of are familiar with the way that I speak, there would be this artificial quality about it that I don't think would sound normal to most people. And so, anyway, it's just something that, look, everyone's got their own preference so the the, the the point of it is I, I, I want to just be able to speak extemporaneously and sometimes as you do so and this is my point sometimes you, as you do so you might find yourself going down tangents or in the moment that, that that you're talking about all this new ideas are coming to mind and you you come up with content that would not be possible otherwise if you if you're confined to this, this specific material only this is the stuff that you can talk about and nothing else is allowed to be said again i'm not criticizing anybody who podcasts that way it's not my business to criticize the way that anybody else does their show i'm just explaining to you why that doesn't work for me so anyway so so there's that now one of the things that i've really been trying to do lately is get caught up on listener feedback because for a long while there, guys. I mean, like, a, it was a pretty long time, you know. There was... I... I was basically kind of, not on purpose, but just the way that things sort of worked out, ignoring feedback. And that kind of sends a message to the listeners that I really don't want to send. Here I am soliciting feedback in the little outro thing that I do at the end of each episode. I solicit feedback, but then I never read it, you know? And so it's just, it's like it's two-faced, right? But um, anyway, so I mean, I take i take full responsibility for it, you know, I mean, I'm the one that allowed that to happen. So anyway, point is though, I really have been trying lately to get caught up on, on uh, listener feedback. And for the most part, I've done so by just talking about stuff, chronologically. Here and there, I've skipped around in feedback a bit just because I think that's going to be the most effective when all is said and done. But generally, I, I do try to go chronologically. Now, I'm saying all of that to say this. I'm throwing that right out the fucking window this time. Because I got an email, uh, This at this point is a couple of weeks ago. I got some feedback a couple of weeks ago that I... The importance of this, I I do think is, I do think it merits moving this particular piece of feedback to the front of the line ahead of other, uh, ahead of emails and feedback that I've received from other people, even ahead of emails and feedback that I've received from this very same person. So all of this is kind of a long Way of introducing this this bit of feedback, and in by my old friend, Fanboyamus Prime. Subject line says random discussion. Uh, the send through date on this is April the seventeenth, twenty twenty. So this is obviously pretty recent feedback, guys. And again, it's only a few weeks old. And Fanboyamus Prime writes, "Greetings, Magnus. Is it me or..." are there some people on YouTube that the only thing they do is whine and complain on various properties? Also, that you are sure if you ask them about something they complained about three months ago, they'd look blankly and prove that it didn't really matter to them? Question mark. And Prime, I'm going to put your email on pause here and say that, you know, as somebody who uh, produces content on generally speaking, uh, produces content on a weekly basis, I'm here to tell you that you can sit there, you know, arguing passionately about something, you're making a point that is very important to you. And then the next day, you just forget all about it. You know, it's the podcasting is the ultimate fire and forget hobby. And, you know, the fact is that it's even happened, like there's a, uh, again, I'm not trying to flog the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group too much, but there is a member there, um, his name is David, I don't know if he wants me saying his whole name on on mic, but there's a, there's a guy there, uh, his name is David, and he posted some stuff about All-Star Superman, uh, and specifically the episodes about All-Star Superman that I did years and years and years ago and he quoted as it turned out he quoted me verbatim stuff that i said in that episode or in those episodes and prime i gotta tell you i had pretty much completely blanked on all of that stuff now w- the stuff that he quoted it resonated with me It's was like yeah you know, I think I agree with that, but it didn't register with me that I actually said that, you know, and it sounded like something that I could agree with, but it I don't know so um i I guess what I'm trying to say here, Prime is I very much understand how somebody can record all of this stuff, especially if they have like a daily YouTube channel, how they can record this stuff, and then forget what they said just a few months later. I mean, shit, I think for me, it's sometimes it's within a day or a couple of days, you know? So, so there's that. The other thing, Prime, uh, that you mentioned is the amount of, uh, complaints that a lot of these YouTubers have about, uh, certain properties. And here again, I can kind of defend that, you know, guys, Just to use Star Wars as an example, I went through my Star Wars angst a pretty long time ago, all right? And so, you know, for a lot of people, Rise of Skywalker was, this was, it was basically for them, this was like a fan existential crisis for a lot of people, you know? uh this was a uh, break glass in case of emergency okay now it's officially time to panic you know this was that moment for a lot of people it and the the realization you might even say collective realization that a lot of people had is uh they saw that movie and for a lot of them it was like all right well star wars as i knew it is dead. And that's pretty much the way that they have to justify it to themselves at this point, because this new stuff, especially The Last Jedi, and to a large degree, from the sounds of things, uh, Rise of Skywalker as well, that is just so far removed from their expectations of Star Wars, what they want Star Wars to be, That they just pretty much have no choice but to step back and say, you know what? It's been a good ride, but I think I'm out, you know? And so, like I say, for a lot of people, that moment, that sort of come to Jesus moment, that was Rise of Skywalker in 2019. And that was a decision that I kind of made all on my own, really before The Force Awakens came out, but then actually seeing uh, the the Force Awakens, that just kind of cemented it for me that, you know, no, it really is time for me to sort of call it a day with Star Wars. You know, now excuse me while I get a sip off of my Coke here. just a second all right and uh, since I'm here I'm also going to get a little bit of vapor too all right so now, that's the Star Wars uh, component uh, of all this. There, But there are other ones. I mean, uh, Doctor Who. I, I am not a Doctor Who fan. I I make pretty much no bones about that. I make no apology for that. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. There's something amazing about Doctor Who that the fans all love that, frankly, I just don't relate to. I mean, maybe someday... But the way that it is right now, this just is not something that I want to have anything to do with. But my understanding is that a lot of Doctor Who fans, they've really had they've really had a rough time of it over the last six months or so. At the time that I record this in May, uh, they've had a pretty fucking rough time of it over the last six months. I don't know the details. I don't, I, again, I don't really understand Doctor Who. I don't really follow Doctor Who fandom, but just as, I guess, ships in the night, it looks like they've been having a little bit of an existential crisis themselves. Same thing with Terminator. Uh, Let me think, what else? Uh, Same thing with Ghostbusters, at least at one point. Same thing with Ghostbusters. And from the looks of things, a lot of people are kind of battening down the hatches when it comes to the MCU. What is coming next? And For a lot of people, they don't necessarily see good things on the horizon. And the common element here in all of this is a lot of these franchises and properties... You know what? Fuck it. I'm not the one that introduced this subject. No offense to you, Prime. You're the one that brought this up, not me. So since I'm not the one that's bringing it up, I'm just trying to account for these things As best I can from my own perspective, I'm just going to go. I'm going there. Um, The common denominator on all of these different properties that are just pissing off their fans right now, Terminator. There's one, is basically getting woke. All right, that's pretty much what it comes down to. It seems like various of these different sci-fi properties and fan properties and comic book properties. They're basically all involved in a fucking pissing contest with each other to find out, uh, you know, who can be the most woke. And I remember back in 2016 when the all-female Ghostbusters movie was coming out that it it was like the talking point that got distributed among uh, among certain... I, I don't even know if I want to call them fans, but at least certain people on Facebook is that, well, nobody ever said that the Ghostbusters were all men. And it's like, yeah, that's true, but there's a message that's being communicated with an all-female cast in the 2016 Ghostbusters that is not being communicated with an all-male cast in the OG Ghostbusters. (coughs) And that's just undeniable all right there's not a deeper message with the 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 casting of the original ghostbusters film there is a very clear message being communicated with all the all-female ghostbusters and things honestly went from bad to worse i mean the marketing for that movie really could not have been handled much worse than it was, because it really was the marketing department that fired the first shot at fans, some of whom were basically expressing ambivalence about the movie. It's like, yeah, this just doesn't really look all that interesting to me. I don't know if I'm going to see it. I mean, for the most part, that was the general reaction from certain prominent fans, particularly on YouTube, right? That was really the the consensus. And the shot that got fired first by the marketing department was that these people are istophobes, because they don't want to see our movie and fucking blah, blah, blah. And it's like all anyone said was, hey, I don't really like the trailer for your movie. I'm out. All right. No one said anything about, uh, about the casting or anything like that. They just said, this doesn't look like it's for me. I don't think I'm going to be seeing this. And then instantly, we we go into istaphobe territory, where if you don't like this, then you're some kind of a big poo-poo head and fuck you, pretty much. And I don't know, it was... I thought the the way that the marketing department, the way that the cast, the way that the director handled all of that stuff, it was so far over the fucking line of what is appropriate behavior from people who are trying to appeal to customers that was so fucking inappropriate and i wish i could say that things have gotten better but it really doesn't look like they have there was a point when and of course now i'm blanking on the idiot's name maybe that's for the best honestly to tell you the truth but the attitude and the marketing and all that bullshit leading up to the release of the Harley Quinn movie it was basically it was basically variations on we are not going to appeal to straight white cisgender men all right that was really the thrust of not even just the marketing, but of the movie itself, but certainly the marketing, you know? And one of the things that heterosexual men enjoy seeing is hot women. Well, Margot Robbie herself made a point of saying that the costumes that are used in the Harley Quinn movie are less male gazy than what had been uh, seen in uh, the Suicide Squad movie from like twenty fifteen or sixteen or whenever that the David Ayers movie and um, less male gazy she said and basically the the idea was that they're going to be trying to market the film to women to the LGBT uh, community and basically everything uh, to a, a POC basically to every single other group that is not straight white men and the movie fucking bombed. And the, and, and like the thing about it is, I mean, I think straight white men still made up the majority of like the mathematical majority of the audience. It's just that the audience itself was still small because these other vaporware audiences that the movie was trying to appeal to don't fucking exist. Okay. Or if they do, well, actually, I can't say they don't exist. Actually, obviously, they do exist. They don't go see movies like this. Okay? They never have. They never will. So, whenever you create these movies that are basically designed to appeal to everyone else, well, the people who are, that you're trying to reach, aren't gonna see your fucking movie because they're not interested in this. All right? They want this content to be out there, they want everything to be super duper woke but they don't reward you for being super-duper woke. However, the audience that traditionally patronizes your movies will punish you for being super-duper woke. And so Margot Robbie and everybody else, they wanted to make a movie that was less male-gazy, that didn't try to appeal as much to straight, white, male audiences, and they suffered the consequences for it. And the director, just to kind of tie everything back to my main point, the director went on to blame the fucking straight white male audience that didn't show up. The very same straight white male audience that the cast and crew had spent weeks by that point saying, this movie is not for you. It's for these other people that are over here. You get to shut the fuck up. Well, when you tell somebody that, or if you tell enough people that the movie that you're making is not for them don't be surprised when some percentage of them believe you and then they stay home accordingly and like take me for example um guys i'm some asshole with an opinion all right that's really who i am that's all i am so if you love me just keep in mind I'm just some asshole with an opinion. I'm not better than anybody. I'm not worse than anybody, but I'm not better than anybody. And if you hate my guts, well, I mean, I guess I doubt that you're even listening to my show if you hate my guts, but if for some reason you're a masochist and you like listening to things that you hate, if you hate my guts, remember, I'm just some asshole with a, with an opinion. That's it. So if you love me or if you hate me, just keep in mind, I don't have any kind of real cred i don't have any real ability to influence i don't have any ability to really lead people i don't have any ability to do anything all i want is for people to listen to my show and i'm not going to get there if i if i go out of my way to insult and harass and mock and ridicule My audience. okay. I'm I'm fucking never going to get there. All right. I want as many people listening to my show as possible. I want to make my show at least as entertaining and as informative as as I can possibly make it. You know, um, my show, as much as I as much as I'm capable of of doing it, it really is for everybody. You know, it's not just for women or it's not just for POC. It's not just for the LGBT community. It's not just for straight white men. It's not just for religious people or it's not just for non-religious. It's for everybody. All right. And the success or the failure of my show is nobody else's fault except me. All right. And there are episodes that I release that somehow, against all odds, are ridiculously popular. I don't get that. But every once in a while, right? I would say maybe once or twice a year at the most. Every once in a while, I release an episode that for just... I I don't understand it, but there's something about it that just clicks with people. And they just cannot seem to get enough of downloading it. I release other episodes that for some reason huge fucking thud and a good example of what i'm talking about here is the um my these seven men are disrupting the comic book industry mega series that at the time that i record this i'm still in the in the middle of releasing all those episodes the wildcats episodes those needed some time to get some traction but then once they had it they did some really solid really impressive numbers I'm very proud of those episodes. The Savage Dragon episodes that I did, eh, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's like at the same time, it's really nothing to write home about. I would say that the the download numbers for those Savage Dragon episodes were maybe about average, or maybe even just slightly below average in terms of what is normal for, for my particular podcast. It could be that it was just subject matter that that brought those episodes down. It may very well be that there was nothing that I did right or wrong with those Savage Dragon shows. Savage Dragon just doesn't have a whole lot of fans. Maybe that's the real answer. I don't know. Okay? What I do know is that in general, the success or the failure of any show that I release, ultimately, guys, the buck stops here. It has to. It's not your fault if my show or any episode of my show doesn't have gangbuster numbers just, you know, week after week after week, you know. It's nobody's fault except mine, all right? That's a reality that I'm very clear on, I'm very comfortable with, and frankly, I understand that I cannot change. The director of the Harley Quinn movie went on the fucking warpath blaming the very people that she, again, that that she and the cast and crew had spent fucking weeks looking them right in the eye and telling them outright, this movie isn't for you. We made this movie, this Harley Quinn movie, we made this movie for these people over here, all right? It's not for you. And those people, for the most part, did not see the movie in their usual numbers, the numbers that would have propelled Harley Quinn to success did not show up. And so then she goes on the war path blaming them for not showing up. It's like it's their fault. It's like, no, you made a movie that did not appeal to them. And then that, that was number one. Number two, you you spared literally no expense in telling them this movie was not meant for them. And what were you expecting? You know, it's not their fault that your movie failed. It's your fault. Um or here's another one, Charlie's Angels. There's there's another one that went ultra woke. And <clears throat> if you look at the cast members of Charlie's Angels, the, the recent the Elizabeth Banks movie, in general, they're actually really glamorous, really beautiful women. You know, they really are. But the minute they were in that movie, well, less male gazy. And then there's the fact that this was just not a very this was not Charlie's Angels the way that most people were probably thinking of it. If you're if you're familiar with the McG movies, definitely this is something different. And the movie fucking flopped as a result. People involved, cast and crew alike, said this is not for the straight white male fan base. All right. This is for these other audiences over here these marginalized communities. Okay. Well, here again, you're telling people that this, you're telling a certain key segment of, of the audience that this movie is not for them. And then you're surprised when they behave as though this movie is not for them. And, and those are really probably the two easiest examples there. God knows there are, there, there are others. And Prime my point in mentioning all of this is to say that the fan angst that you're alluding to here, this is something that I can kind of understand pretty easily. You know, I understand where these people are coming from because honestly, I mean I'm I'm kind of there myself, you know. It's not that I was ever a huge Charlie's Angels fan or or Harley Quinn or or Ghostbusters or anything like that, but the the trend and the trajectory of all of these different franchises you know call me crazy but i'm starting to see a pattern here you know this is not happening as a result of of incompetence or ignorance there's an agenda that's going on here that people have finally started noticing it's not by accident that uh all of these different uh franchises are alienating fans and turning off certain key members of their audience demographics. That's not happening by accident, you know, and the people who have spent decades in some cases supporting all of these different franchises and stuff are kind of rightly pissed off that, hey, I've been here for all these years. You're out there chasing, chasing all these vaporware Audiences that are never going to support you. They're never going to follow your product. They're never going to buy the, buy your movie tickets or buy your comics or whatever else. Why are you trying so hard to appeal to them? When if past as prologue, we already know they don't spend money. You know, it may be that they just don't even have any money, but they certainly don't spend it. Or at least they certainly don't spend it on stuff that you make, you know, and you know, Prime, I mean, I understand how easy it is to look down your nose at those YouTubers and those podcasters and those fans. Certainly, that is your right. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. But I, I hope I can at least kind of nuance your perspective on this by saying that I get it, okay? I know exactly where a lot of those people are coming from. And, you know, Prime, this is not to be—I hope you don't interpret this as an attack— on you, or me, like, insulting you, or or anything like that. I, I just, all I wanted to do was just kind of bring up the other side here a little bit, you know. Anyway, so Prime goes on to say, I have a friend that listened to one Richard Meyer, a man that is, frankly, an attention seeker of the highest order, and for some odd reason, my friend felt that guy ripping up an issue of a comic book he hated, like a whiny brat, really would interest me in listening to Richard Meyer. I have, since that day years ago, have never been able to make sense of why he felt that was going to win me over. Seriously, I've been trying to figure out why, and I still don't get it. Some guy ripping up a comic does the utter opposite to me. And I'm going to put this email back on pause, at least briefly, to say that I honestly, again, I completely understand where Richard Meyer is coming from. Uh, Prime, I love comics, all right? I would say that if nothing else is demonstrable from the the history of Trenus Magnus Punches Reality as a podcast, it's the deep and abiding love I have for the comic book format, you know? And this is everything. This is uh, superhero comics, uh, Western comics, not so much war comics, although I guess you never know, um, drama slash romance comics, horror comics, nonfiction comics. I fucking love comics. Okay. To me, comics, this is, this is it. Okay. This is it for me. You know, this is my first love as a geek. Okay. This is, this is who I am. It's what I am, you know? And for those reasons, it's just really hard these days for me to find new comics that I really enjoy. The only one that's come out and that I can think of offhand, the only comic that's been coming out lately that I really enjoy is uh, Vengeance of Vampirella from uh, Dynamite Comics, and God only knows how long that's going to stick around. Hold on a minute while I get a sip off my Coke again. So, um, Vengeance of Vampirella, right? And, uh, yeah, I've actually, you know what? I've actually found a, a couple of semi new ish, uh, Vertigo books that seem kind of interesting. So I don't know. But anyway, so the point is there's just not a whole lot of stuff that's coming out right now that, um, that I really enjoy and, and get into. And again, the wokeness, all right? And when Richard Meyer tears up a comic book in one of his videos, this is meant to be the ultimate expression of disdain and disgust, all right? He, he so completely hates that comic book that this is, this is truly all the only response that he can offer and the thing about it is you know he's been completely fucking pilloried you know for that and it's like meanwhile gay gail the fridge simone she made her fucking bones criticizing comics and this dipshit theory of hers about women and refrigerators all right it's a completely easily disprovable uh straw man that she nevertheless used as kind of this entryist argument into the comic book industry. She's pretty much failed her way through the majority of her career. And that's not to say that she's a bad writer, because somehow, against all odds, she's actually, when she tries, she's actually pretty good. Just that she doesn't really try in, in most cases. But my point is that comic book criticism was how she ended up gaining a career in comics. Meanwhile, here comes Richard Meyer. And of all people, it's Gail fucking Simone who comes out against him. Oh, well, let me get this straight, you dumb bitch. Like, you're the only one who's allowed to criticize comics and the, and and everyone else. They they get to just shut the fuck up, right? Because that's that's your thing. You're the only one who's allowed to monetize that and turn that into a career, right? And it's just so fucking hypocritical. You know, it's like I... I really wish I could tell you how much respect I've lost. Not that I ever had all that much to begin with. I was never a big Gail Simone fan. But, I mean, I really wish I could tell you how much fucking respect for her that I've lost over the last couple of years. It just, it fucking defies description, you know? And so it's like, my point is this. What I try to tell people is, show me in a straight line why what Gail Simone did is, apparently that's a good thing. While what Richard Meyer did, oh, that's bad. Show me in a straight line how exactly that works. Why is Gail Simone, back in the 90s, allowed to criticize comics for completely imaginary, totally fucking bullshit reasons, but Richard Meyer can't offer real and meaningful, constructive criticism of comics about real and clear Demonstrable flaws that comics have these days, and then punctuate all that stuff by tearing the comic book in half. Why is he not allowed to do that? Why is Gail Simone allowed to do what she did? Richard Meyer isn't allowed to do what he did. Show me in a straight fucking line on that, you know? And so far, I haven't had any takers. So again, Prime, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry more, I guess, at the amount of venom that Richard Meyer has attracted. And on that note, Prime goes on to say, you might vaguely remember Richard Meyer for suing Mark Wade over getting his comic at Antarctic Press uh cancelled, and having to pay the added costs of self publishing the book. The lawsuit, so many on YouTube felt, oh, Richard's gonna win his Kickstarter backed legal battle and show the world, and yeah, it didn't really go that way. And Prime I'm gonna put your email back on pause and say, as far as I know, that lawsuit is ongoing. There's not been a verdict. There's not been a final decision. There's not been a settlement. There hasn't been anything, as far as I know. That's that's still an ongoing process, <clears throat> and uh, I think I read somewhere that Meyer expects that this thing to go on for at least one more year. It could be more, but he's, he, apparently it's his idea that it's going to go on for at least one more year. So I don't know. What I do know, uh, Prime, is that I've spent the majority of my life working either for or with attorneys, and that doesn't mean that I'm a, I, I'm a lawyer or that I have some kind of legal insight or something like that. It just means that I've spent a lot of time working for attorneys, and as a result, I've kind of learned a few things, one of which is just in, in the course of one job that i was doing the subject of tortious interference actually came up and an attorney explained to me in pretty i think pretty clear and easy to understand terms what exactly tortious interference is what it looks like how it works and the damages that ensue and the reason i say that is to say that That sounds. I'm going to try to phrase this carefully. That sounds an awful lot tortuous interference. That sounds an awful lot like what Mark Wade is alleged, okay, what he is alleged to have uh, done in this whole business uh, with this lawsuit that that we're talking about here, and so that's just. Me going off memory, all right. Tortuous interference and the way that it was explained to me ages ago, that's not the final word. You know, other people who are attorneys or otherwise come from legal backgrounds, they are similarly convinced that what Mark Wade is alleged to have done, if he actually did that, that could be tortuous interference. Right? It's not just me. It's not just one asshole's opinion. This is the opinion of a lot of assholes. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, number one, as far as I know, the lawsuit is ongoing. Number two, people who, like, I think, again, not that I, what does that matter? I'm just some asshole. But the point is, I think this sounds kind of like tortious interference if Wade is actually guilty, and I don't know. I'm not making any statement about that one way or the other. People who are in kind of a similar position as me, they've worked with a lot of attorneys a lot. They think this sounds an awful lot like tortious interference. People who fuck it are actual attorneys. They're all saying, we're all saying the same thing here. So if I was the only person who thought that Meyer had a case, I would understand if the reaction to that was, well, you're just some dickhead, you don't even have uh, uh, a, uh, a law degree. You've never been to law school. You, you 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 haven't taken the bar. You're just a you're just a shithead. Well, whether I'm right or I'm wrong, maybe I am a shithead, but I do think that there's that there's a real case here. So do other people who come from a similar background as to me. So do other people who are paralegals. So do people who are actual attorneys. I there's a friend of mine who's a judge. I actually ran all this by him. Like a year ago, or something like that. He's like, "Yeah, there's a real case to to go through here. This is not, this is not going to be a slam dunk for, for the defendant, you know." So, anyway, so point is, um, well, fuck it, you get the idea. So, anyway, uh, Prime goes on to say, "On to something vaguely related that, uh, uh, on to something vaguely related to that is." The whining and moaning so many did on the 2020 New, uh, new Warriors five issue miniseries. Oh, yes, the new characters they made are extremely lame and, and pathetic, but it seemed like the end thing to rag on when the real question is if they intended to buy it or not. Though, given some of the bottom feeding whiners online, such a simple question likely makes their brains explode. And here again, Prime, I'm putting your email on pause. Here again, Prime, um, we don't know really what the status of New Warriors is, at least at the time that I record this. It sounds like, at least for the moment, the original release date for that has been delayed and then delayed again and delayed again. So, you know, who knows? But the the issue among a lot of the YouTubers that I see is that they were actually planning to buy that comic specifically for purposes of roasting it, you know? Now, me... I don't. I happen to think you know what life is too long, to to buy comics that I know I'm gonna hate just so I can rag on it. All right, but if other people want to buy a comic book just so they can rag on it, well, whatever. It's their life, you know. Um, but apparently, a lot of the naysayers behind that new Warriors uh, miniseries that you're talking about. Yeah, they were primarily going to do it. Number one, they were going to financially support it. And number two, that was primarily so they could roast it on their YouTube channels. And so, I don't know. We'll see. Moving right along, Prime says, For me, what annoyed me far more is Marvel never said that New, that new Warriors miniseries was a miniseries. And I can't get why the U.S. government wouldn't wouldn't, uh, or rather, would want the new, the new Warriors to be mentoring teens. I mean, the whole opening incident for Civil War involved the New Warriors. Then again, the US government at their superhero training camp post-Civil War wasn't open a week before someone got killed and they cloned the dead guy to cover it up. Also, something that is weird, uh, not to come up for a teen version of the Superhero Registration Act, is that those very teens had all fought Hydra The month or so it ruined the U.S. and the Secret Empire story. Uh, Yeah, Um, or rather, A. Yeah, if they're not going to fight when Hydra is running things our law against this is likely merely going to annoy them a lot sort of thing. And Prime, I must agree with you. Then again, the writer of that miniseries seemed to think his dead meat for a crossover body count are this era's sort of thing new warriors had. Yeah, that's a load of crap. Other than Night Thrasher, the original New Warriors characters all were characters from the 70s to a few years before the team first showed up. Something that, honestly, Marvel has plenty of characters that were young and been around for a while that could easily be used. And Prime, I'm going to put the, this on pause and say, you know, this is something that I've been war- kind of wondering about for a while myself. These New Warriors in this Kibblesmith miniseries... They they seem like they're mostly new characters, and one of the things I've always kind of wondered about is between, um, you know, the various and century um, Avengers titles, and various and century X-Men titles. Surely there've got to be enough teen characters that exist between those two corners of the Marvel universe. You don't really need to create new characters, do you now? I'm not begrudging that decision, I'm just, I am just wanted to kind of throw that out there and see what comes back to me. Now one of the things that I can say in kind of half-assed defense of the Kibblesmith uh, New Warriors is one of the things that has really pissed me off about comics for the last few years is this idea of swapping out an existing character for basically a diversity hire let's call it what it is and so you know um you can't really say that about spider-man because yeah miles morales is on the scene but peter is still spider-man but you know other characters you know captain america iron man and so forth basically those people get replaced with a bunch of fucking diversity hires and i've mentioned in and on at least a few occasions, you know, that's kind of bullshit. If these new characters that you're coming up with are just so fucking amazing, why do you have to give them an existing identity? Why don't you come up with their own superhero codename and let them earn their bones the old-fashioned way? If you're so convinced in the superiority of this character, why do you have to call him, or her, Iron Man? Never get an answer on that so um and that is not what's going on in kibblesmith's uh, new warriors at all whether anybody loves it or hates it the minimum amount of credit that you have got to give to kibblesmith is that none of these characters are replacing existing characters at least as far as i know every single one of them is completely original so love kibblesmith's new warriors or hate Kibble Smith's New Wars. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying, give the guy his due. He created new characters. He's not replacing anybody to get these people where they are. These characters are members of the team in their own right. Love it or hate it, I happen to think in this day and age that's worthy of respect. So, whatever you want to do with that. Anyway, uh, Prime goes on to say, I wonder if by the time you get to this email, if those characters will be dead already. (laughs) Uh, Prime, you know what? I deserve that. It it usually does take me quite a while to, to, to get to these emails. I wanted to bump this to the front of the line, though. Um... Number one, it was just so timely at the time that you know you sent this to me. I figured now would be a good chance to, to kind of dive into that a little bit. And number two, hopefully this this does show you this is another um, show of good faith on my part that I really am serious about getting caught up on all the different feedback and everything. I really do want things to to start you know picking back up and uh, getting that uh, getting that vast backlog of feedback. Uh, that I have getting that, getting that cleared out. So anyway, Prime goes on to say, uh, to something a bit more cheery is Scooby-Doo team up. The book was utterly amazing and a f- and fun and a blast to read. Not sure how many times I've, I've suggested it, but it is worth all the times that I have, uh, that I have done it or will do so again. And, um, Putting uh, Prime's email back on pause here to say that... Yeah, Prime, I'm going to be honest with you. I sh- I don't remember, you know, um, one way or the other. If you've mentioned that in the past or not. I tend to think... Like, I'm kind of blanking on it, just to be honest with you. But, I mean, I tend to think that you probably have. And... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I, I'm, I'm just... Uh, sort of, just sort of blanking on that. The, the idea, though, of, of Scooby-Doo Team-Up, this, this actually does sound like... Again, points for originality. I'll say that this does at least sound like it's something that tries to be fun and engaging and entertaining, and... For the most part, doesn't really take itself too seriously. Now, I must say that you know the the fact that we're talking about specifically Scooby-Doo. I don't have the same fandom of Scooby-Doo that I had, you know, back when I was a uh, a little kid. I was a Scooby-Doo junkie from way back. But it, you know, nevertheless, I I don't know it. it I, I will give... I will give you your due, though. That actually does sound... It does sound pretty good. So, um... And then Prime... Actually, you know what? That's the end of Prime's email. So, hmm, Silly me. All right. So, anyway, Prime... I just want to take uh, this time... Uh, again, to clarify, none of this is meant to be... You know, like a, a slam on you or anything. There's just certain things that are, about comics that have just been fucking pissing me off for the last several years. I wanted to get that off my chest, but... Hopefully you understand that you and me, we're cool, right? Uh, and uh, I, I want to be clear about that. So anyway, and um, wow, this, this thing has actually ended up dragging itself out a lot longer than I was originally expecting it to. So anyway, well, whatever. Um, I don't know if I'm going to release an episode next week. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Um, I haven't really made up my mind. It really just kind of comes down to what I'm able to, to manage. I think I might be able to manage something though, but, uh, either way, I think that's pretty much it for me for this week. So bye everybody. I will see you whenever. feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And, Just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to 2TrueFreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there's no minimum donation. Beatrinus Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon, because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real life events is purely coincidental and void were prohibited by law. Some assembly required, batteries not included. Many will enter, few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with DeMonsacor of Milan, Italy. Thank you. Do not mention the Tiptoe Man ever again. Hey, everybody. My name is Trennis Magnus, and I host a podcast called Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Here at Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, we usually talk about comics, movies, and TV shows, because those are my favorites, but every once in a while, all that stuff gets put on pause so that I can wander through the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. I've really come to adore the works of J.R.R. Tolkien over the past several years, and so I occasionally record episodes about it. This is Radio Free Isengard. Radio Free Isengard is an irregular feature of Trennis Magnus Punch's Reality, which could consist of subjects such as movie discussions, book reports, character analysis, gushing over Howard Shore's music, how awesome it would be to live in Hobbiton, or any of a million other possibilities. For one thing, I do a rewatch of the Lord of the Rings films every year, and I seem to have fallen into the habit of recording my thoughts on a given year's marathon. The point is that the subject matter could be anything, and you never really know what might be coming next. So join in on the fun of Radio Free Isengard, an irregular feature of Trenis Magnus punches reality. Only at twotruefreaks.com.